Hello and welcome to We're Watching What. I'm your host, Dana, or the DHK as I'm known, and it is the first episode of 2021. Several films to cover. None of them came out in 2021 because nothing is coming out today, really. Also, not a lot came out last year, but here are some of the films that you might have missed. I'll talk about it a little bit more in a second, but without further ado, here's We're Watching What. Happy New Year. It is 2021 and gonna start things off a little differently this year because Friday, January 1st is, well, a Friday, and there weren't exactly a ton of movies coming out already. There aren't really new releases for today, so I'm going to take the opportunity to talk about several films that you may not have had the chance to see either because they weren't available to you or because you might not have heard of them in 2020. So let's start off, of all things, with Tenet, which was Christopher Nolan's big old blockbuster film, and he pushed and pushed and pushed for this film to be in theaters. He wouldn't do a digital release after having finally seen it. I get why, because this movie makes no sense whatsoever, and if you are not forced to sit in your seat in a theater and have to pay attention, you are going to be underwhelmed by it because it just feels like a bunch of action sequences strung together. And unless you're in that sort of immersive experience with explosions and music and all of that stuff, your attention is going to drift because even in the plot of the film, and I actually think this is in the trailers, they say, don't try to understand it. And that to me is kind of insulting as an audience member where you're like, I'm going to make up this thing, but I'm going to pretend it's so complicated and ask you to suspend your disbelief so much that I'm just going to tell you not to understand it. Like the, the hubris there, part of me admires the cockiness of that. And part of me is like, screw you, Christopher Nolan. So I, after having seen it, I finally get why, yes, this is why he wants you to see it in theaters because he knew it would not hold up the second you were able to be distracted from it or even had the opportunity to be distracted from it. Every character in this is so well informed as to what's going on. There is not a single moment where I feel like the characters are not going to come out okay because they are all just walking around with such confidence and that can work in a lot of movies. I feel like James Bond is a character in general who he rarely displays insecureness and yet there are times where he's clearly in over his head. Every single situation in this film, every character should have been in over their head and yet they all just sort of walked around like it's going to be fine. I'm going to figure it out. Again, I think that's a reflection of Christopher Nolan's sort of confidence in himself and him writing characters who reflect him. It's really hard to watch this action on a small screen. Like, I, I see what they were going with. I see where the appeal of seeing this on a big screen was. John David Washington is fine as the lead. Robert Pat this is actually my favorite role of Robert Pattinson's. I forget that he's British and this is probably the most speaking he's had in a film that I've seen at least with uh, his actual accent. I'm like, oh, you seem much less derpy actually. Elizabeth Debicki is fine. Kenneth Branagh, what a weird casting choice. They cast Kenneth Branagh as the bad guy in it. I don't think that's really a spoiler. And he does this terrible Russian accent. I'm like, why cast Kenneth Branagh who is so British, just so utterly British as this character. And he doesn't even do a great job. So I'm like, just make the villain British. Find a way to do it. There's there's plot reasons that, you know, they, but, but if you are so desperate and out of stuff to watch, I guess fine, you can put this on. It's very long. It's two and a half hours. Put it on in the background, but you either need to commit to paying attention and accepting the fact that it's going to make no sense. And maybe if I rewatched it a couple of times, it might make a little bit more sense, but I just didn't, I don't feel inspired to watch it a couple more times. So you'll probably watch it when it comes to streaming, which I assume it eventually will because it's Warner Brothers and they have a partnership with HBO Max. So just wait for that. But when Tenet does finally roll around, temper your expectations aggressively. I think we all get very excited when Christopher Nolan films come out because they're a spectacle and he does think in a very distinct way, but when he's unwilling to share any of the thought process about that and just says like, come along for the ride, I don't give a damn whether or not you get it. 
that's that doesn't that's not inviting to me. So I personally am only gonna give it 2.8 out of 5. I'm gonna take a quick break and be right back. And then next up is Wolf Walkers, complete change of gears. It's available on Apple TV Plus. It's an animated film. It takes place in Ireland and it's about this girl and her father who moved to a town and her father is basically a hunter and the town is sort of trying to expand into the forest and there are these creatures called wolf walkers who reside in the forest who are protecting it. It's a very, I think, nature forward film. Sean Bean stars is the voice of the father. Honor Neefsi is the voice of Robin the girl. Uh, Eva Whitaker is Meb, who is of the forest. It's from the people who did The Secret of Kell. So it's a very distinct animation style. And I think it's very different from a lot of the feature animated films. Where, I mean, it's, it's 2D, first of all, or it's mostly, it looks hand-drawn. It's, so it, it actually reminds me a little bit more of something like in the US that you would associate with like a cartoon network, which is not a bad thing. I, it's just something that's a little bit different that I think we are used to seeing for feature films. And I've said recently, or I've reminded folks recently that animated films are just films. Oftentimes they are just aimed at an audience that is inclusive of all age ranges, which includes children. And so that of course guides the type of content and what you can sort of cover in it. And therefore a lot of people associate them with being children's movies. But I think take a look at something like Soul, it's not a kid's movie, that is just a movie that is friendly towards kids. However, Wolf Walkers, I do feel like, is maybe aimed at a slightly younger audience in some ways in terms of some of the appeal. I think having a young girl, or two young girls actually, as the leads, it can get a little... If I guess if you have children, you're probably very used to it and, and how high-pitched and how uh, energetic it can be. But as someone who does not and was just watching this film, it was a little overwhelming at times, and I kind of wish they maybe had toned it down a little bit. This film got really kind of overhyped for me. Everyone is saying it's the best animated film of the year, and I think it's a beautiful film. I think it's well done. There are some very bizarre plot lines involving, I want to say, like the church. I think there's a whole sort of metaphor about um, environmental protection that they're obviously trying to make, but I think that would be very lost on children. It's, it's a fine, it's a beautiful film. It's good. I just think I would also suggest you temper your expectations and if you are an adult who is watching this who does not have children be aware that it is going to skew even more friendly I think to a younger audience and so you might not find it as enjoyable as something like I think Soul where there's a ton of stuff that you would appreciate much more if you're an adult but still it's a beautiful film very enjoyable I don't think there's a particular reason not to watch it and especially if you have kids I think this is a great one to watch I am going to give it four out of five and then the next one is Never Rarely Sometimes Always which is streaming on HBO Max at this point and this is a very tough one to, I think, recommend, but it's a good film, which is challenging. I was looking at the Rotten Tomatoes. Again, I've, I've talked so much about how Rotten Tomatoes are not a great indicator of things, but I was interested to see what an audience, a wider audience versus a critic audience reaction to it was. And it's very, very split. The critics give it 99%, the audience give it 20%. And I can sort of understand why this is not a film for a broader audience. This is a very challenging film. The thing is, I don't think it should be challenging. So it's from director and screenwriter Eliza Hitman, who did a film in 2017 that I appreciated a lot, but it was another tough one to watch for me called Beach Rats. And that was about a high schooler sort of dealing with his sexuality. He's gay and the bullying and all, all sorts of relationships. And I think what Eliza Hitman does really, really well is these films feel very in the moment. Like they are not overly produced in the sense that I don't, I, I was trying to, I didn't notice it until I would say like 20 or 30 minutes in, but I was like, oh, I don't think there's a music or a score to this. It's all diegetic sound. It's very, very mixed to feel real. And so then because of the subject of never, rarely, sometimes, always, 
that can be a pretty painful thing. It stars Sydney Flanagan as a girl who lives in Pennsylvania and she is facing an unintended pregnancy and in Pennsylvania you cannot get an abortion without parental consent and so she and her cousin go up to New York City to deal with the situation. And Look, it's tough and it's unrelenting and I think it is very honest and I what I really, really appreciated about it is that it did not sensationalize the process of abortion. I think that's something that like we need to normalize, right? Like there shouldn't be shame involved. It doesn't need to be this hugely traumatic experience. The procedure itself is so safe and so just, you know, it's just a medical procedure. I think that is something that's probably really challenging for a lot of audiences to have to face. And so you have to be open-minded when you go into this film. And if you didn't have any warning, you would just, this would knock you on your feet. And so I appreciated watching it. It's really hard to watch. It's not trying to sugarcoat anything. You know, as someone who lived in New York, there were a lot of moments so I was like, yeah, there is like a sense, it captures a sense of sort of the wonder and the oddness of this city, which I don't think is even the intention of the story. It just happens to accurately capture that, which is something I appreciated, right? I think Eliza Hittman also just does a really good job in dealing with these sort of teenage on the cusp of adulthood stories that are really, really tough to deal with. And I, I give her credit for the scope of stories that she has been able to tell so far set in that parameter. I would be interested to see what she would do about stories about, let's say, just like fully grown adults or something like that. But it's a tough one. I think it could be cathartic for a lot of people to watch, but I also acknowledge that it's it could be triggering for a lot of people to watch. So take that under consideration. But I think if you are open to it, it could be an enlightening experience. It's a really well acted and well done piece of filmmaking. So I'm also going to give this four out of five. And then finally, I have the 40 year old version on Netflix. And yes, version, not virgin, which is something I've had to struggle to say. It's written and directed by Rada Blank. She is a filmmaker, writer, and actress. She also stars in it. She started as a playwright, and so this film feels very autobiographical for her. It's about a playwright dealing with being about to turn 40, and she's sort of stalled in her career, and she's teaching, and, and then she finds herself drawing inspiration from rapping. And so she becomes a rapper. Uh, and, and not in the sense of, you know, she blows up viral on YouTube or something like that and, you know, gets a record contract. No, she just sort of starts to express her art instead of through playwriting, through rhymes. And there are parts of this movie that I loved. I think her sort of inner monologue is great. It's shot in black and white. I'm not 100% sure why. It's a choice, but it made me feel like I was back in film school. And it, it, there's nothing wrong with it. It just, it, I think it sets a tone uh, you know, it says like, hey, I'm this type of movie. There are parts I just, I like her character a lot. She is no nonsense. She is confident, but also insecure, which is something Tenet could have used more of a balance of. She is, she says the things that I wish I could say with confidence, but I think where the film, for me at least, it got really overhyped, I think is part of the problem for me. So I do want, again, all of these films were about tempering your expectations. I think it got a little lost for me in the actual rap parts of it because, you know, I appreciated it. I appreciated her flows. I think they're very poetic. I think that was part of the problem in that. And maybe, you know, I know there are rappers who are able to just freestyle in such a, an amazing way, but it felt so polished in those moments that it oh, took me out of it a little bit. But overall, I think it's an enjoyable film, again, because it is on Netflix and it's just available to you. There aren't a ton of reasons not to watch it. But I would say that it's not going to be sort of grand sweeping film and it does not really follow sort of a a stereotypical formula that you would expect to see in a film like which is a good thing right like we should have more narrative diversity in terms of how we see you know not older but old you know not young young women portrayed on screen we should have more diversity in the storylines we see of women of color portrayed on screen so in those senses it's very very successful 
I just think it splits a lot of time between the worlds of playwriting and rapping. And that flow for me personally took me out of it a little bit sometimes, but still a great film. I'm going to give it 3.9 out of 5. That has been it for this episode. Thank you so much for joining and really looking forward to hopefully having a larger volume of things to watch with you this year. We would love it also if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.